This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome one and all to episode 128 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this will conclude the nine episodes of the classic album series that I had promised in celebration of our sixth anniversary. So um, this will focus on Led Zeppelin 4. And a lot of people are going to say, well, why Led Zeppelin 4? Out of all of the great Led Zeppelin albums, similar to Kiss, similar to ACDC, all of these bands have put out so many great albums. With ACDC, we went with Back in Black. Could we have gone with Highway to Hell or Dirty Deeds? Absolutely. There are some, like the great author Jesse Fink, who would argue, why not Power Age? Um, with Kiss, I went with the first Kiss album. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that... You know, asked, why not Destroyer? Why not Alive? So, with Zeppelin. Zeppelin 4. Um, Zeppelin 4 transcends just hard rock music. It is such an influence on, you know, rock, metal, uh, all types of things, you know. Because if you listen to, sure, maybe there are younger kids that are getting hooked on music right now that don't appreciate the magnitude of this because they hear it so many times on the radio but you know due to my age um i found out about led zeppelin after john bonham had died uh, my brother had or was given led zeppelin for for one of his birthdays it was what he had asked for and back then i mean i was I don't know, seven, eight years old when I first heard Led Zeppelin four, I, I believe, may, maybe even six, and it just blew my mind how you know how monstrous the the band sounded, how different it sounded from everything else that uh, you know we were listening to at the time, from Cheap Trick and ACDC and Ted Nugent, and somehow Pat Benatar wiggled its way in there, uh, Kiss as well. Um, Pink Floyd, that's what was so cool about that point in time before corporations really got a hold of the industry, uh, you know, because the big bands all sounded so different from one another. And, you know, it wasn't a case until, you know, really until glam metal broke that MTV sort of built the formula of what radio, you know, was to become because any new band that's come out afterwards, you've either had the people that have, you know, set the trend forward or all of the copycats that have come after. And usually the first wave or, or the second wave isn't bad. It's that you know, fourth, fifth, sixth wave that really screws everything up. And, you know, with Zeppelin, their imprint was so big that a lot of that still, you know, came through a decade after, you know, the band was gone. And, or, or you know, a decade after their last official studio album and I realized that Coda is an official studio album and I loved Coda it was funny my brother was pissed off at me for buying Coda for him because at the time you know the whole idea of leftover songs was 
you know, it just wasn't the same as what it is now. And for, you know, someone, a teenager, you know, who had Led Zeppelin foreign physical graffiti code, what are these leftovers or unfinished songs? You know, what is this? Uh, not like today where, you know, people are just chopping at the bit to accept pretty much anything. I mean, you could see it with the reissues. Some of the stuff has been all right, but some of it is, I don't know, to me personally, you know, like the immigrant song, just hearing Plant do a different version of, you know, parts of the song just isn't that big of a deal to me. And maybe it's just that I'm, you know, all these years later, not that big of a diehard of the band, but it just kills me with the reissues that, oh, no, no, here we have, this is the original Scratch demo. And the drum part is maybe, and and I'm not saying this for Zeppelin, but um, the drum part is maybe a drum machine. um, Or it's some live show that you've heard or that you've been able to get off of YouTube for years or it was traded, you know, on the, uh, you know, in the old trade taping days. And it just kills me that, yeah, okay, this should have been properly released to stop bootlegging and this and that, but it shouldn't be included, you know, to make a reissue 30 bucks as opposed to just being, you know, 12 and saying, oh, yeah, well, you're getting this live show that's been on the market, quote unquote, for years. Ah, it's just it's just sort of odd. And if you enjoy that, you know, this is just my opinion, so you can somebody go scratch or whatever that's cool um but anyway getting back to led zeppelin 4 how many tracks off of this album have you not heard on the radio how many of these tracks i mean um have not just been part of the dna of rock music hard rock and eventually metal because this album influenced so many people that you know, went and took the ball and ran it in a different direction. I mean, so many people always bitch about, oh, you know, Kiss isn't metal. Real metal fans don't listen to to Kiss. What does Thomas Gabriel Fisher of Trypticon and Celtic Frost consider his all-time favorite band? <coughs> Kiss. Um, how many other people do the same, you know, of these extreme metal bands? Um, there are things, you know, Carrie King always talks about Judas Priest. How many young kids out there don't even consider Priest to be metal? You know, so go figure. Um, so with Zeppelin, this album is just such an influence. Um, can you say that about the the first Led Zeppelin album? Yes. Can you say it about Led Zeppelin 2? Yes. Led Zeppelin 3 is the one that you're going to hear people not talk so great about on here um but led zeppelin 4 is like the perfect storm and it is one of the biggest albums of all time um just by having stairway to heaven on here but as a drummer when the levy breaks holy shit you know that is like a blueprint to you know, so many other drummers playing and such an influence and such a fun song to play. At least for me, it always was. But, um, yeah, so start to finish, this is one of the most important albums 
in the entire evolution of hard rock and metal. Not only in my opinion, but I think in the opinion of a ton of other people. So, um, the the episode is about to begin. Just uh, please, I ask you guys to go to Facebook and follow us. Go to Twitter and follow us as well. Um, go to iTunes and leave a positive comment. Um, I'm not going to sit here and get down on my knees and ask you to, you know, go to our, use our Amazon links or go to the donate button. But if you so feel inclined, go ahead and do so. I'm not going to say that we don't appreciate it because we obviously do appreciate all that stuff. Um, I also want to ask you to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more about previous episodes, not only from the classic album series, but other interviews and uh, themed episodes that we've done. Uh, also go over to earpeeler.com, which is my podcasting news site where you'll find all the latest on various um, audio, video, and written interviews that people have conducted. Also various music-based episodes that people release for their podcasts or their you know, radio station um, or their radio shows that are lady, lady shit, later released in podcast format. So there you go. Um, thank you for listening. And this is the last episode, like I said, in the nine that I, um, uh, that, that I did promise for the month of September. Again, I apologize that it is late October and we're finally getting this out. Uh, there will be a bunch of cool interviews that will be coming out, you know, hopefully within the next few days, there will be another one. It all depends on, you know, everything else that I have going on. Unfortunately, um, I love doing this, but this is unfortunately a, a hobby and, you know, I'm trying to build up various businesses that I've started up in the last few months and those take precedent over this and um you know it's that's that's just the truth so um anyway hope you enjoyed this episode thanks again for listening to mars attacks and hope you come back and listen to other episodes as well see ya ear pillar the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. From Hades and nonfiction, lead singer Alan Tecchio. Well, every Zeppelin record to me is just amazing. And four is uh, a Fairway to Heaven record and all that. Just the mountain hop. Yeah. Yes. Probably the most influential Zeppelin record for me. Um, you know, back in that time frame, I was like sitting in my room before I was even in a cover band, and I would sing along to those records and just be so astounded at how great Plant's voice was. And I didn't understand, you know, I still can't play an instrument per se, certainly not well, um, but I didn't understand what was going on with Jimmy Page and how revolutionary he was in his songs, in terms of writing, in terms of chord patterns, in terms of tuning. Um, but I knew it was very different and almost magical and sound corny mystical and I just thought it was so fucking cool this band that just embodied everything I could ever hope to have in a in a rock band as far as a listener goes so that's up on four um 
you know, obviously did not disappoint. I was a huge Zeppelin 1 fan, an even bigger Zeppelin 2 fan, and an even bigger Zeppelin 3 fan. So when 4 came out, it was sort of like, wow, how did they do it again? <laughs> you know, like, even though all those records have different kind of identities to themselves, um, 4 kind of puts it all together. In my mind. Right. Mick, Sean, and James from Corners of Sanctuary. Well, I was a big Led Zeppelin fan here the first two. Them. Yeah, everybody, I mean, yeah, it's again like the Kiss. Yeah, thing. Yeah, you know what? You know, the thing with, with, with Zeppelin is that transcends anything metal. Like, I mean, you don't even have to be into metal. Because we, we just played a show the other night, and uh, every, this one guy was heckling everybody that we all suck and we can't play guitar. And then he went on in between the sets and put on Led Zeppelin. Um, and said, this is how you need to play guitar. So, so it, it definitely, it transcends metal completely. It, it has, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't think you have to be a metal lover or hater to be into his death one. No, I mean, I mean, in the eighties, depending on who you ran with, you had your ACDC t-shirt, your like <laughs> t-shirt, t-shirt, your Pink Floyd t-shirt, <laughs> your Metallica t-shirt. Yeah. You, right. you had your standard. <laughs> and you had your flannel and your fucking, your, uh, yeah, your brown corduroys are your black Led Zeppelin shirt. Yeah, you know what I mean? Listen, even metal guys can be uh, color coordinated. Well, I see me for me. Or I think, Iron Maiden. Iron I think kind of found that too. I I <laughs> think still, after all this time, the best Led Zeppelin album is the first album. I mean, not you know, I hate to go off the track of of four, but. No, that's I mean, cool. What, what, I mean, what what don't you say about oh, it? They, it's like saying they were ahead of their time too. I mean, you know, yeah, they, I mean, they were they were, they were the first to me, the first real rock star. You know what I mean? Like huge, had their own fucking plane. I mean, I'm sure there was others, but they. When you think rock star, you just pretty much put, you know, Robert Plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, I mean, they're they're, you got four outstanding musicians. Yeah, right they're there. definitely I mean, the top of the heap. I mean, like. Again, you know the Beatles and the Stones, you know, and but these they these they were completely different. There was Love and Plant made the bulge cool. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? The short the short vest. You couldn't get away with that today. Well, you might be able to in certain places, but you know, everybody started fucking throwing socks down their face. <laughs> Bottom did do some of his best drumming uh, drum work on for. Um, well, actually, the first four albums, you know, in my. Well, I think I think I think Jimmy Page's like uh, with the live stuff in terms of his playing again, you know, the, made the Les Paul fucking cool as shit. Um, but like in terms of like how guitar players even today, you know, have that solo section. Yeah. And I think I think he's the one that really brought that to, you know. With the, with the effects of the time and 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 the theatrics of of that solo section, you know what I mean. And then going back to, the, you know, the album, you know, well, the group he before he improv. Yeah, he improv all the he time. Didn't give a fuck. Like if you if you're like a a music geek and you want to see things live, like you hear on these albums, forget it. Yeah, they were totally. I think they did a lot. A lot of, off the cuff. They were like yeah. the Who. I mean, the Who was pretty much loaded live, so you know they did a lot of things differently. <laughs> probably didn't remember what they did on the album. But but Zeppelin did change a lot of stuff up. Absolutely. You know. But what 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 Jimmy Page, you know, did for what the lead guitar player per se, 
that lead guitar player persona. I know Keith Richards was was kind of creating that too, but even in the in the in the sixties thing, they were still it was still kind of a mm-hmm. it wasn't like it had become. But um, he uh, Jimmy Page brought that that lead guitar persona type of the look, the feel, the sound, the whole bit that that Mystica came to it. And then going to the to the group before we talked about Kiss, Ace Frehley took that solo. He influenced Frehley. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. terms of like the theatrics and all. And again. Compared to today's standards, in terms of what they like, say the technical aspect of some of these new guitar players, and, and like you know, like a Gus G, or you know, um, I mean, even you know, like a Zach Wild or whatever. And I mean, it's it's not comparable in terms of of like say what they were in terms of the scale and all that kind of stuff. But the I think the essence and the and the the mood and the excitement and all that stuff was that's that's where it came from so you know and they're all memorable leads i mean you know that he's, oh yeah I mean, it's just not it's just not you know yeah you know the, you know the lead the leads, all his leads stick in your head you know you know when it's coming yeah, you, you, know, know. Your, you know so there you go former king diamond and megadeth guitarist Glenn Drover. Led Zeppelin Four was uh, to me that's that's my favorite record, and a lot of people think, oh, you know, I, I like Presence better or this or that. They go for more of the obscure albums, you know, and <laughs> and all the records are great, you know. I can't, you really can't name a bad Led Zeppelin record, but um, I mean, really, you have to admit that you know that that record is just, it's it's very difficult, uh, in my opinion, to to beat those songs, you know. It's just. To me, that's that was there. The, that's that's the pinnacle. That's the zenith at that point. You know, it's when everything came together and all the stars lined up and whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, it's you know, and I still love listening to it. I mean, you know, stay where you have it. You know, we've heard that a few times, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> songs like you know, when the levee breaks and and um, you know, um, going to California, Battle of uh, Nevermore. They're all great tunes, and I never get sick of that stuff. You know, it's just. Great music doesn't, you know, it just it stands the test of time. It, it always does. And that's, Led Zeppelin IV is definitely one of those records that's just, it's always going to be accepted. It's always going to be listened to and, and, you know, people realizing how great of a record it is. Right. And exactly what you mentioned um, uh, regarding them. You know, it's a group that has so many great albums that it's mm-hmm. almost difficult to pick one. But this album... Because of what you said, you know, those songs have, you know, lasted so long and they're so important that, I mean... Yeah. Well, you could say the same thing about the first album, too. I mean, that's an amazing album as well, you know, or, or even the second one. Um, I can keep going. But I just think overall, <laughs> if I had to pick one, that that's my, definitely my personal favorite because of its strength and, and because of its, you know, it's just from from top to bottom. It's just, a, you know, all the songs are great can't name a bad song off that record. They're all very, very powerful songs. You right. know, even if okay. something as simple as rock and roll, you know, I mean, it's, but it's still, you know. <laughs> Used in stuff. commercials and, you know, and even uh, when the levee breaks has been sampled how many times? So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Exactly what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Lord Von Rathenstein of Lords of Trident. Oh, well, okay. If you want to talk about a classic album that everybody knows and everybody's listened to front to back um a magnum opus if you will it's got to be led zeppelin 4 i mean i mean my god i mean like you know black dog stairway i mean it, it, this this album was 
absolutely incredible, breathtaking, you know, mind melting, life changing kind of an album. Uh, and it's, it's really just, and you know, I don't use the term lightly. It's, it's definitely a magnum opus. I mean, front to back, every song is a killer song. Every song is incredible, you know, and, and there's no filler on this album whatsoever. And even more than that, every song, there's not even like a song that even takes the intensity down a peg at all. This, the whole album front to back is just an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. If there's, you know, one of the, it's one of those uh, deserted Island sort of albums that, you know, it, or, or if you need to put something in a time capsule for, for aliens, it would probably be Led Zeppelin four. The Shred Lord, Joe Stump. I, you know, I'm a, I like Zeppelin, but I was much more, more of a black, more deep purple guy. You know what I mean? Like I'll take, you know, I'll take Made in Japan over the song of Man's Fame any day of the week. You know what I mean? I'll take Machine Head over Led Zeppelin too. You know, I mean, not that Jimmy Page wasn't, wasn't a great riff writer and stuff, but as a guitar player, you know, between him and Blackmore, it was no contest, you know? So, and I saw Zeppelin um, back when I was a kid, like Madison Square Garden, 1977. And while four was, uh, I mean, four was a, a cool record, um, you know, because of course that's the one with Stay With Heaven on it. But, you know, there were a bunch of other um, tracks that I loved a lot more, like Misty Mountain Hop and, um, and, you know, and when the levee breaks and stuff like that, you know, but, 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 you know, the whole records kill it from start to finish. And plus I remember when it came out at the time, like my friend that was really into Zeppelin, you know, he didn't, he didn't know it as Led Zeppelin four. You just knew it as the one with the guy with the sticks on his back, you know, you know, everybody, no one would say Led Zeppelin four back when that record came out, they would say, Oh yeah, you mean the one with the guy with the sticks on his back, you know? And, and Led Zeppelin three was that we, you know, uh, I mean, there were some cool tunes on it, like the immigrant song and out on the tiles and all that, but that had all those weird acoustic songs, like, you know, um, Tangerine and, you know, and Gallows Pole and all that. So like, so Zeppelin fans that, you know, loved like, you know, the heavier stuff and, and, you know, heavy psychedelic blues stuff on two. And one, you know, that like three was like, what are they doing now? From Witchcross and Ravenstorn, Count William. That is definitely uh, one thing about Led Zeppelin. I, I go through phases back and forth with them. You know, um, the first four albums from Led Zeppelin are, are are just like completely my favorite. You know, and I, I still um, I still love Physical Graffiti and some of the other ones too. But I wasn't too crazy about Into the Outdoor or or any of their solo projects type things. But, but you got to admit that Led Zeppelin one through four, all of those are just total classics. And each one of them was like a stepping stone, you know, that, that to me, once it got to Led Zeppelin four, it was just like the culmination of everything that was great about the band. Um, you had the heaviness of the early stuff, you know, with them experimenting with a bluesy distorted heavy metal uh, prototype. And you had, you had the acoustic stuff that they were experimenting with on later stuff, like on Led Zeppelin three. And then you had like the, the faster, heavy, you know, kind of stuff from Led Zeppelin two and some of the quieter stuff that they experimented with on, on that one. But what they did is they took those styles and they merged them together 
into into like stuff like Stairway to Heaven that ended up on Led Zeppelin four. It was like it showed off their quiet tone and then their heavy metal tone and it's just like an epic uh classic of all time. And then they had like the Battle of Evermore, you know, where it's just completely like acoustic guitars and all kinds of uh other uh stringed instruments and and uh you had Robert Plant uh completely uh mesmerizing with his with his vocal style becoming like a uh a hypnotizing uh array of, of power. And then um then you had just straightforward rockers like rock and roll. But definitely I'd I'd have to say, you know, out of all Led Zeppelin's albums, uh uh it's hard to say which one's the best, but I think just on um you know, on on the on you know, on judging by the song style and the and the quality of the songs, that's probably a definite uh a peak uh and a high point uh in their whole career. Uh, I prefer the very first Led Zeppelin album is like my ultimate favorite because I love Days to Confused and stuff like that, but but I'd have to say that they did make a progression, you know, through um varying styles until when they got to Led Zeppelin four, it was definitely on the very tip of, of their best uh, quality songwriting and uh, performance. Josh Christian of Toxic. You know, all of these records, you know, your list is comprised of, you know, classic, classic albums. This is another one. This is the record that is arguably maybe the best known by Led Zeppelin. Uh, it's got Stairway to Heaven on it, which is one of the single best-selling rock hits of all times was on the charts forever and ever and ever um it's got black dog and rock and roll uh there's misty mountain hops there's just amazing songs on it from start to finish and it was the last record in my opinion and that's all it is but it's the last record that had the old sound after zeppelin 4 houses of the holy going forward physical graffiti they changed it, it, not bad, but they changed. There was a, a shift that went on on that record, and it, that was the change in their direction, and they never went back. The first four records have a different sound, um, and that record is sort of that culmination of those four up to that point. That was their sound, um, and honestly, it reinvented the wheel. That record is, uh, again, a super landmark. From Zephaniah and Viking, Justin Zeich. Like that one four is probably the one that came up after, well, obviously it's the fourth one, but it came out after these first three albums that were just like these heavily blues-influenced um, rocking albums, and you get Zeppelin IV, which still has that blues influence, but you've got more of that dynamic range that's going into their next group of albums that are also great, you know, songs like, songs like Achilles' Last Stand that came out later after this album, where, you know, we're basically... They wanted to make more epics. They wanted to make longer songs, songs that develop their career. And, you know, you have Stairway to Heaven. Um, that's their, one of the biggest tracks. You know, every guitar player is not allowed to play that in stores anymore. Um, <laughs> or else out and murdered. But um, it's, um, the whole thing is, like, it basically developed, here's this kind of blues rock band where they first sound was doing covers. Their second album is getting heavier and, more dynamic. When the third album comes, they're just striking against what's the acoustic stuff. And this album was a mixture of both of where they were going as a group. It's like, here's all our influences. Here's like the pinnacle of our albums. And that's 
from there on on out, they stopped counting the albums and they decided to make more epics. They said not. I mean, they they still have their classic songs they wrote, but it's just like you know, it's like when Deep Purple had Hush and all that stuff, and then they broke off and started with um, I think it was uh, the album with uh, Speed King on it. I cannot remember it for life of me, but they just decided to do that and they just kind of went from there into this heavy blues act. And that particular album, it's like everyone really put the, uh, they had the money coming in. So it's really, for that time, was well produced and taken care of. From Death Dealer and Dictators NYC, Ross the Boss. <laughs> Groundbreaking changer. <laughs> just added to their amazingness. Greatest drummer ever. Tom Potter of Gun Driver. Well, dude, how long do you want to talk? Um, dude, I mean, Led Zeppelin, like, I'll tell you right off the bat, and I don't have any trouble telling anybody this, but, you know, I, I was looking for mentors. Like, you know, I was looking, when I started this band, I was looking for some sort of uh, template. You know, somebody, somebody's career, I could, you know, semi get, you know, because there's no book like, hey, this is how you, this is how you make a rock band successful. But, you know, I mean, maybe there is, but I'm not sure Eddie Van Halen or the guys that's up on Reddit or, you know, whatever the hell. So I took a look at Jimmy Page, and as I was studying audio engineering, I was like, wait a second, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here that, you know, I don't think people were giving Page credit for as a producer. Because, you know, the truth is, for years, I didn't even know what a producer was until David Isaac, who, was, who worked with Prince, Michael Jackson, Madonna, and Eric Clapton, all those guys, uh, taught me about record production. And David Isaac is, is my sole instructor when it came to record production. But... What I did was I took a look at what Jimmy Page did with Zeppelin, and I went out and, and recruited players for the band for kind of one on one. Our drummer really wanted like a, a metal guy, and you know, so on and so forth. But uh, when it comes to, to Zeppelin's songwriting, Page really understood uh, things like chromatic uh, motion. Like if you listen to Stairway to Heaven, that, that initial that initial riff, he's using counterpoint on the guitar, but the bass line is chromatic descending. Uh, and he used to, so he borrows some chords modally. And then when you go into the, the kind of main hook, it goes back into diatonic, uh, you know, in A minor. And it's, it's, it's really cool to watch how he does all that stuff. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Alan Holdsworth earlier, who like, he, you know, his, his, his theories of harmonic continuity, like keeping his finger or, you know, keeping one, as you're switching chords, one, one note, uh, as you switch between the chords, and, and that's obviously oversimplification of it, but you know, Page was doing the similar things, and he had such you know beautiful choices of uh, chord voices, you know, and then on top of that, his use of you know polyrhythms with inside the riffs, uh, that really you know studying Zeppelin for years really taught me how to do that sort of stuff, and um, you know, uh, the use of like blue scales on like a uh, on Black Dog, and um, you know, Misty Mountain Hop is one, you know, one of my favorite tunes of all time. And it's just, it's so cool because you, you get all these mixtures of style, kind of, and and it blended up and ends up being hard rock and uh, ends up being Zeppelin, uh, you know. And like, you know, another great, you know, there's so many ways to look at this stuff. Like Four Sticks with this huge driving drum section, and you get this cool repeating riff, and then you got the the bridges that are so kind of ethereal, you know what I mean? And, uh, 
you know, that band was firing on all pistons like all the time, you know, at least for the stuff they released, you know. And then on top of it, you hit, they, they linked up with like the best engineers. And Andy Johns was is was buddies before he passed away with, 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 with Jim and had mentioned on using the studio that we were using uh, to record our records to come down and do some mixes because it was set up the old school way, you know. Um, but I mean, I don't even know if I can choose a, a, a favorite tune off this, but you know, rock and roll is another great example of bringing the blues back into rock and roll, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, you know, if, if, if for nothing else, it was kind of odd to me that it took a British band and it's kind of weird that it happens like this with entertainment. Sometimes things have to leave where they originated from, uh, for people to truly appreciate, you know, how powerful they are. And, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the the blues rock stuff coming out of coming out of Britain in the late sixties and early seventies was just, you know, world class. Oh, and I got to see Robert Plant play in Austin. Um, <laughs> I was still in the army and I was driving home one night. I was down at Fort Hood, so it was about an hour south of Fort Hood and I, I split a place with one of my buddies down at down downtown Austin. I was driving by Stubbs one night. I see this tour bus and you know, I'm still in uniform, so I asked the guy I hadn't even gone home to change it. I asked the guy sitting in the car, I was like, hey, who's playing tonight? He's like, Robert Plant. And at that time, I didn't know Robert Plant hung around Austin. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So like, I went home, you know, I scouted some tickets and uh, went to go see him. And he was playing with Band of Joy, which, you know, that's cool. He does, he does the kind of bluegrass thing, but everybody's really waiting for a few Zeppelin tunes, which he played at the end of the night. And, it, you know, it, it was raining, but, you know, everybody, <laughs> everybody hung out there, you know. It was awesome to see one of the living members of Zeppelin perform, you know? The host of One on One with Mitch, Talking Metal Digital's own Mitch LaFon. Led Zeppelin 4. You know, I gotta be honest. I've listened to Led Zeppelin. I get Led Zeppelin. But to me, Led Zeppelin was the greatest con ever perpetrated on a music audience. Um, there are so many songs that they lifted from other artists that it's 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 tainted my whole outlook on Led Zeppelin. I mean, they were essentially a glorified cover band, but they tried to sell it as if they were originals. It's as if you went to see a Kiss cover band in a bar and they said, no, 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 we're not doing Kiss songs. These are all our songs. And it's, I don't know. I, I just I just have a, an issue with the integrity of, of Led Zeppelin. And... You know, when you look, when you take a historical perspective and you find out that they copied X song and X riff and X lyric, you just go, you know what? These guys were 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 not that great. They were they were a con. It was a con job, right? And and they got away with it. And you know, the Led Zeppelin albums shouldn't have been Led Zeppelin albums. It should have been called, you know, Robert Plant's tribute to early black American blues guys or, you know, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Page's tribute to, uh, uh, you know, British pop or it's okay. So, so there's, uh, there's some good songs on there and, and people think it's a great album, but when you take a, a step back and, and you find where those albums and where those ideas came from, you go, you guys just copied everybody and stole from everybody so so i sort of lost my my enthusiasm for for led zeppelin i 
I just see them as, like I said, a big, a big con. And we all got fooled for so many years and people stopped getting fooled. And, 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 you know, when, when Paul Stanley gets on stage and says, Led Zeppelin is the greatest band ever. Nobody's ever done it like them. And, and it's like, then, then why would I rather listen to you, Paul? You know? And, and, and that's how I feel about Led Zeppelin. I, I think they were highly overrated and, and, you know, Led Zeppelin four, a lot of people dug it and stuff like that, but I don't know. It's, it, it wasn't original. It was repackaged, reheated, sold as new. And, uh, I'm not a fan. I, I just, I don't like it. Don't like it. Didn't like it then really. And, and don't like it now. It, it was, and again, you know, what I said before about vocalists, I just don't get Robert Plant. I mean, that's, talk about, you know, sounds from the animal kingdom. I mean, that doesn't sound really good. It's not really melodic. It's, it's, it's squelchy and screamy and whiny and nasally and, and, ugh. Brett's Blackouts, a Van Lake. Blood Zeppelin 4. Led Zeppelin 4 is, I mean, obviously Led Zeppelin's kind of peak album. Um, that one had like rock and roll and the Battle of Evermore. And um, what else is on that one? Misty Mountain. Yes, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. So that, yeah, that one's got most of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs on it. I think I like... I think I liked their first two albums a little bit more just cause they were more kind of heavy blues, you know, but I think Led Zeppelin four comes right after that. And, and that's not a bad thing at all because I really like Led Zeppelin. And I think that one's, that's probably their most solid album. Um, and I think it, I don't know. It's, it's a really kind of, I don't know how to, it's kind of just, they, they gelled really well on that album and they all played kind of, cosmically well together and i think that's where they really kind of found their own sound and style and started getting a little more folky um but it still sounded like you know it was a kind of a natural progression but it was it sounded very fresh and new um yeah and obviously that's the one that most of their radio hits are on as well so yeah it's a really good one. From Australia, Death Dealers and Blasted to Statics, Stu Marshall. Oh, well, I got a great, great story for you there. Um, again, I, being like a metal guy, I was a late, late bloomer into Led Zeppelin. And uh, I was hanging in L.A. at our bass player's home. Our bass player's a guy called Mike Davis. Uh, right. Mike Mike is Rob Halford's guy. Um, you know, Rob Halford's bass player. He played in Luigi Borden for 20 years and we're sitting by the pool it's summertime and you know I'm a deep purple guy I'm a Black Sabbath guy but I never quite fell in love with Led Zeppelin so we're sitting by the pool it's summertime in LA drinking beers and it was just the perfect perfect summer's day and Mike just throws this LP on he's got a great LP collection and throws on this actual vinyl of Led Zeppelin 4 and I'm just sitting back, and I didn't, I didn't even know what it was. And 
I turned the mic, you know, I just got it. I said, what is this, you know? And he told me it was Led Zeppelin 4, and I was like, fuck, what, what have I been missing all these years? And sometimes that's the beauty of uh, rock and metal is, you know, you don't have to get it, but life can change and, and the circumstance can change and, um, you you know, the planets align. So, yeah, for me, that, that album's very strong. And even though it was very commercial, you know, like, Sorry, from a, a later point, it had to have big hits on it. We've got a lot of really obscure, cool stuff on it. So, uh, yeah, that album's got a, a special place. The man that continues to shred the envelope, Dave Raffet. Yeah, Led Zeppelin Four, dude. I mean, you know, Black Dog, Rock and Roll, all those songs. I mean, it's every song on it's classic. Bottom line, you know, it's just great, great stuff. Uh, but Led Zeppelin Four, yeah, it's a classic record. Um, I think it was, you know, kind of the pinnacle of them, really. You know, Stairway to Heaven and all that stuff. It's great. And it's funny, like, you know, everybody knows this um, example that I'm going to say, but it was kind of fascinating to hear them talking about it. Like, some interviewer was asking Jimmy Page, they were like, or maybe Robert Plant, I'm not sure. But they were like, um, when you guys played Stairway to Heaven, people must have been just freaking out, you know. And he was like, nah, dude, they were bored out of their fucking minds. They, they wanted us to play something that they knew, you know. He's written a million and one books about hard rock and metal, Martin Popov. I, I think uh, it was quite interesting that it was a fairly heavy album after Led Zeppelin III, showing that they could, they could just, um, you know, keep moving, keep progressing. Maybe it was even a little bit um, less brave because, uh, because three was maybe uh, not received so well. Um, but Led Zeppelin IV is the, you know, I would say it's, it's the, the heaviest or second heaviest Led Zeppelin album. It's got, got quite a bit of heavy rock on it. Strange production. I mean, everybody talks about the, the production genius of Jimmy Page and the drum sound of John Bonham, but you can also complain and say it's a crappy production sound. But what, what has happened is that production sound is, has stood the test of time as a strange production sound, and there's not enough strangeness in production, so it's a, it's a brave, cool, strange production sound, but it's a, an acquired taste, I suppose. Um, but great songs, great pacing, all sorts of experiments all over the thing, um, uh, you know, tons and tons of variety, which is one of the great things about the 70s. From Racer X, Jeff Martin. Oh, my God. Well, any Led Zeppelin, you know, I have the tattoo of the rings over my heart, and they're there for a reason. It's like all drummers, we all aspire to be John Bonham. But it, what I think, you know, I love about Bonham mostly, and that album, um, is that he, no matter how you how hard you try, you, there's certain things in music that are that are magic, and you either have it or you don't. To, to do some certain things and that he proved that with his drumming. Jimi Hendrix proved it with his guitar. It's only one guy I've ever heard sound, you know, there's plenty that try, but they just don't, aren't quite there. And to have four members, you know, that, that pulled that off and, and, you know, uh, all those great songs, the, you know, the first song on that album just blows you away with the crazy timing and everything. It's just, yeah. Um, and there again, there's a, there's another band. Like a lot of people, they say you don't pick the Beatles to to redo a song. Uh, it's just like it's too hard to to recopy that. Kind of same with Zeppelin. I, I don't hear a whole lot of people 
redoing the Zeppelin song, uh, you know, on their albums. It's like, yeah, it's kind of hella ground. Let's not touch that. And, uh, yeah, they were, they had finally, I mean, obviously the first two albums were, were completely amazing. The second one was done right coming off tour. They were just so into recording and being magical in the studio. And the third album, they just wanted to piss off the label and make a crazy cover and all that. And they did a lot of acoustic things. I mean, they had some good moments. But four was just, you know, Black Dog and all that stuff. It was just mind-bendingly heavy, but had it just had every angle covered. So, yeah, that was that was a good one. And and has some good stuff on there for tattoos. The man has done everything. Fanzines, various podcasts, and is the director and producer for the documentary Inside L.A. Metal. Bob Nalbandian. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about Led Zeppelin IV then. Um, a, a good friend of yours, Mr. Gene Hoagland, um, when he talked to me about Led Zeppelin IV, he mentioned that it took him a while to get into Led Zeppelin only because at that time um, in California where he grew up, you were either a Kiss fan or you were a Zeppelin fan. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying that that's a fair assessment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I remember in sixth grade, um, this would be 76, I was all about Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and this and that, and uh, all the friends out there were all Kiss fanatics. And then it was either, you know, I would write on their peaches or whatever, Kiss sucks, Zeppelin rules, and they would do the same on, uh, you know, mine, you know, and they would say, Ace Freely is gone. I fuck Ace Freely, Jimmy Page, you know. And uh, this was, uh, uh, you know, I was into Jimmy, and that's when I was first started really getting into Rishi Blackmore, too. Uh, but, uh, Jimmy Page was, was my guitar hero. I mean, I grew up on Zeppelin. I never liked Kiss that much, but yeah, in California it was, it was Zeppelin versus Kiss. I know a lot of people on the East coast that it was Zeppelin versus Aerosmith and it was to some degree here, but I think the Zeppelin Aerosmith fans kind of were a little bit more together. And the, I, I mean, I'm sorry, the Kiss Aerosmith fans were a little bit more together, but, uh, Zeppelin was, was, uh, definitely the West coast, uh, you know, the West Coast favorite. Okay. And as far as this album is concerned, I mean, for, for Zeppelin, it was difficult for me to, to pick any album because they're all so monumental and and so great. And obviously, you know, having Stairway to, to Heaven on it and having Black Dog and Misty Mountain Hop and, you know, One the Levy Breaks, I mean, it's almost like a greatest hits album from beginning to end. So, um, what were your thoughts, if you could go back in time, uh, what are your recollections of listening to this album for the first time? Well, that's, uh, what, what you said is key, and even for people that aren't Zeppelin fans, you have to appreciate the fact that, like you said, it's almost like a greatest hits record, that's because every Zeppelin song is completely different, you know, they never repeat mm -hmm. themselves. And even on an album, and my favorite Zeppelin album, Physical Graffiti, uh, one of the reasons being, because here you have a double album where every single song sounds like it could have been written by a completely different band. I mean, the songs couldn't be any more... I mean, you take Cashmere from Trampled Underfoot to Boogie Witch Stew to In My Time of Dying. I mean, it's like 
completely different genres that they, that they run the gamut through on, on a single album, which, you know, is, is unheard of today. On, on, today, it's like you do an album and you hear the first song or their hit song. Every song sounds just like that. You know, it's all in the same vein. Everyone's into playing it safe. No one takes that risk. And that was the greatest thing about the 70s. You know, the 70s artists, you didn't have the pressure from the labels or, the, you know, radio or whatever. And that's the thing about Zeppelin is they were never a radio band. They never released a single except for Immigrant Song, which uh, and the B-side was, hey, hey, what could I do? They, were, they wrote the book on album rock. You know, their songs were long. Stairway to Heaven was probably the biggest song on... I, I was sick to death on that song. It was played all over the radio, and it was a seven-minute song, or however long it was. Uh, and that was right. unheard of. You know, back then, it was all three-minute songs. They broke the rule book on that stuff. Uh, but going back to what you're saying, as far as Zeppelin, see, I grew up on uh, Zeppelin, Sabbath, and Purple, and I didn't own records. I remember when that album first came out. Uh, I, You know, I, I got into all these bands from my older cousin when I was eight, nine years old. So he would send me, give me compilation tapes. So I never listened to it as a full album. I always had like songs from Zeppelin four with Sabbath songs and deep purple songs. And maybe a, a couple songs from house of the Holy or something like that. So, uh, until like later, I didn't really hear that album from start to finish. Um, I just heard it as songs. And I just remember the song black dog and just, loving that song and still still love the song as, as overplayed as it is I and mean, there was a period in my life where i couldn't hear zeppelin i couldn't listen to them in like the late 80s right. early 90s they were just so overplayed i just you know it's like no I, I can't i can't listen to them but uh now i could go back and listen to it and i kind of get that same feeling I, I did as a kid when i listened to black dog and what a unique sound you know i mean just with, with, with nothing but vocals and then that guitar riff that kicks in. And that is the epitome of a heavy metal guitar riff from the 70s. And I know people, I know Joe MacGyver's probably laughing, man, this is fucking metal. <laughs> but to me, metal is the way you play the riff. And Jimmy Page plays that riff hard. The guitar players then, you know, play guitar hard. That's what people don't understand. Nowadays, you have amplification, you have effects, you have everything else that could do that for you. Back in those days, it was all about dynamics. You know, I mean, I've been in the studios with these death metal bands, thrash metal mm -hmm. bands, the bands that people consider the heaviest bands in the world, and I see them lying on the couch doing their guitar tracks. You know, they don't play it hard. It's just the amplification yeah. and everything that plays it. Believe me, when... Jimmy Page was in the studio doing Black Dog. He was not sitting on a couch. He was playing it hard, rocking out, playing it. And, and you could hear that in the fingers, you know. And that's what I love about his playing in that album. Um, you know, the, the thing about that is it's so loose. He was not a tight player. There, you know, People say, oh, he's sloppy. But that was the charm of, of Jimmy Page. And uh, really the charm, I think, of, of, of Zeppelin IV in particular. I think that's sort of um, lost on a lot of musicians nowadays where, you know, everything has to be so technical or everything has to be so precise. And you look at what he did uh, throughout his career. Um, you look at a band like Foo Fighters and, and you hear Grohl just 
always talk about Zeppelin and how much of an influence they are on them and, and how, you know, certain styles or certain ways of, of playing or certain ways of recording um, were successful then and are successful now with certain bands. Um, with all the technology sort of sucking the soul out of a lot of the process and a lot of the feeling out of different things, you know, it, it seems as if, like you're saying, people are relying on, you know, making sure that they have a specific sound and that even if they're off by a note, well, you know, we can rectify this in, uh, you know, Pro Tools or whatnot, or even if the drummer's off, well, you listen to a lot of Zeppelin stuff and it's not perfect, like you're saying, and that's all part of, you know, what what sort of draws and what the appeal is there because it's, you know, you're waiting for the magic to happen as opposed to it just being something regimented, like, you know, almost like a military march. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, the thing about uh, that album in particular, that was a staple album. I mean, that was the album which all producers looked to, particularly when the levee breaks. That drum sound was the drum sound. Jimmy Page produced with Andy Johns as engineer. That became the staple drum mix that everybody wanted to achieve. You listen mm-hmm. to uh, Ted Templeman, you listen to the, uh, you know, uh, prior to the Van Halen album, he did the Montrose album. Uh, you listen to Rock Candy. That is the drum mix he gets. He, you know, everyone compares that to when the levee breaks. You listen to years later what Andy Jones did with Detective, the song uh, One More Heartache. Uh, that is the drum mix he's, he's got, the opening drum mix. And uh, everyone wanted that sound. But the, the key that people didn't realize, it wasn't just the production. It was the drummer. You had to be a John Bonham to get that sound because he was a powerful drummer. He was the most powerful drummer, you know, at that time. And uh, Danny Carmassi did it with Montrose. John Hyde kind of did it with uh, Detective. But very few drummers could really do it because they didn't have that that natural power. Uh, no matter how uh, great the producer was or the engineer was, but that album really was the ultimate production. Everyone looked at that as being, this is the sound we need to achieve. Because that was 1971. You listen to like the first Sabbath, you know, which was done on like a four track or an eight track. And very, uh, even a lot of the early Sabbath albums were very kind of doomy and muddy and this and that. This sound was just crystal clear, just the guitar, drums, bass, everything. It, it was perfect, you know. Uh, way before the uh, Mutt Langs and, and all these other producers came around. This was like the ultimate uh, production, and uh, I think that had a lot to do with what the success of that record as well. I mean, uh, Misty Mountain Hop, the drum mix there, uh, you know, everything. It was just so uh, beautifully uh, 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 produced, uh, musically and production-wise. I think the uh, uh, great thing again about uh, you know what I said about the, the diversity. Every song is completely different. You listen to Battle. Battle from Evermore to uh, the, uh, you know Black Dog to going to California to Four Six you know an instrumental uh, every song was completely different and that was what was so cool about Zeppelin um, the thing that you know as a kid which I never realized which I think kind of uh, uh, gave me a little bit uh, negative feelings about Zeppelin is, 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 is it, it became many years later that I realized that 
they stole from so many bands. <laughs> and right. one of the key songs, you know, Stairway to Heaven, they say that was basically a Randy California song from Spirit. And if you listen mm-hmm. to it, and listen to the, the original Spirit song, it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, it, it's more than just coincidence, you know. So um, I kind of lost, you know, certain respect because the band never did give a props, nor did they give props to all the blues players. I mean, they did uh, give credit to like Willie Dixon and a couple uh, uh, people, but so much of the Zippin stuff was that they borrowed uh, from from blues cats and folk singers, um, you know. And right. uh, so I kind of lost some appreciation for Zeppelin back then, but then I realized, you know, that's just what what uh, I mean. Artists do that today all the time. They're they're you know they're taking influences as they say to the next level. But kind of bugged me that as far as I remember, Zeppelin never gave props to these artists that they uh, borrowed yeah. from. Um, so, you know, again, I didn't uh, know that till years later uh, that they, that they uh, you know, stole from so many bands or borrowed from so many bands uh, without, I, I believe, giving them proper credit. So, um, but with that said, uh, you know, Zeppelin IV was, was a smart move for them, a great album coming on Zeppelin III, which I think everyone will agree uh, our most hardcore Zeppelin fans would agree. Probably Johnny Mitchell fans wouldn't agree, but most Zeppelin fans would agree that Zeppelin Three was just crap. Uh, apart from a few songs, it just was not. It was their least, uh, their their worst album by far. Um, immigrant song, great song, certain songs, and there was some good, great acoustic stuff on there. But it was not. It was Zeppelin trying to be something else. And I think at that point they tried to. Uh, uh, distance themselves from the, the heavy metal moniker. I mean, this this is a, you know, I think you and I have discussed before about how bands hated being called heavy metal back then because heavy metal was a term that usually was referred to uh, as bands being garbage, bands being noise. It was a term that you know critics used uh, to disgrace bands. So everyone tried to not sound like Sabbath or. Uh, you know, keep purple or uh, you know, Uriah Heap or whatever at the time. So I think Zeppelin three they tried to distance themselves way too much, and I think Zeppelin four they got a little bit back on track uh, with just uh, writing you know good solid rock songs, still having a lot of folk flavor, of course, with Stairway to Heaven and Going to California, which is a fantastic song. It, it really is a, a great tune, and a Battle Forevermore. So uh, again adding all different styles, but keeping their hard rock, uh, you know, metal edge, uh, definitely. So, yeah. Very interesting. Still have Robert Plant to this day still bashing on the whole heavy metal thing and saying how, uh, had he have known if, uh, that he influenced so many, uh, heavy metal singers that he would have never become a singer and nonsense like that. And Ginger Baker's another one. So, um, Amazing that all these years later, it seems like uh, they've uh, at least uh, Robert Plant anyway, because you see Jimmy Page at all these different types of shows, whether it's hard rock or metal, and sure. he seems to not have a problem with it. But um, Robert Plant, for some reason, seems to still have his yeah, head in well, the ground. Still, there's the connotations of heavy metal from back in the days that still have lingered on, and I think even more so today, what metal has become where it's not really about emotion and about... And that's the thing, where back then, 
you know, I, I always consider, you know, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Purple, UFO, Judas Priest, Thin Lizzy, you know, uh, you know, they, to me, are hard rock heavy metal bands, you know, whether the bands like it or not, you know. I mean, even Lemmy hates being called, you know, metal. And Ian Gillen hates it, too. But that was the beginnings of, of metal. I mean, back in the day, there wasn't anything heavier than, uh, you know, a, a Zeppelin or a Sabbath album. Or when uh, Let There Be Rock came out, that was that was the death metal of that generation. There was nothing more right. intense, nothing more powerful, nothing more uh, heavy or hard, you know. So that was like the ultimate. So uh, to me, uh, you know, but back then bands had groove. They had blues influence. They had classical influence. They had feeling. They had emotion in, in metal, whereas today's, what they consider as today's metal, it is nothing about screaming or, or yelling. So I can understand why a lot of these classic 70s artists are even more upset being considered metal, uh, seeing what, what metal has turned into these days. Uh, but I think of Robert Plant's case, he was always saying it, that he hated the fact that so many people borrowed from him, whether it be uh, David Coverdale or uh, Jack Russell or all these 80s, you know, even though Coverdale was from the 70s, but I think when Whitesnake hit big, and, you know, all the 80s and 90s bands, Salty Dog, whatever, Zeppelin became, you know, the, the band that everyone was emulating, particularly Robert Plant's vocals. But, you know, my argument to Robert Plant is, hey, dude, you stole from every fucking blues singer out there, style-wise, lyric-wise, everything-wise, so you got no right to bitch about people taking stuff from you. So uh, suck on that, Robert Plant. How about that? <laughs> and I hope he hears this. <laughs> I love Robert Plant. I love the guy. You know, I mean, he's, he's he's one of my all-time favorite singers. But making comments like that is, to me, it's ludicrous. Uh, seeing that you've done the same thing, you've borrowed and stole from singers that you were influenced by, and you would say it's a positive thing. I'm just taking what they did, uh, you know, to, and, and using my own thing. And I think other singers have have done that. Granted, so, you know, there were probably a lot of singers that tried to capitalize on his sound and his voice. But, you know, so be it. That's, that's you know, what, what rock and roll is. You can't control what other people are going to do. You know, you just take it as an influence. He was part of Watchtower, Dangerous Toys, Broken Teeth, and a plethora of other projects. Jason McMaster. Wow. Uh, once again, forefathers of heavy metal, you have, you have uh, chosen well on this uh, deserted island box of records. Um... Uh, that it's like a concept record to me, even though it may not be, you got the J.R. Tolkien stuff going on, you know, a little bit with the history of Led Zeppelin and the way they wrote songs. And I almost think that that's where Rush got their J.R. Tolkien from was if Led Zeppelin can write songs about Mordor than I'm going to, you know? Um, and there's something very metal about that, even though I know that this sort of conversation we're having is not about heavy metal, but there's, there's something very metal about Lord of the Rings. You know, it's, I, I hear, I hear amen in my brain from everyone agreeing the idea, uh, that Led Zeppelin can start off sort of just stealing all of the American blues guys songs <laughs> and turning them on their head and singing them octaves higher and playing them a little faster but very similar riffs and only changing the lyrics enough to where they sort of fit Robert Plant's 
um, demeanor, I think that, uh, is a great influence into where they ended up on volume four. Um, even though they kind of created this sort of prog rock hippie vibe thing going on. Uh, and when you inject it into ultimately, eventually the song remains the same, the live album, the movie, et cetera. It's like we have arrived and it wouldn't have been, they wouldn't really have arrived if it wasn't for volume four. Uh, Stairway to Heaven became one of those songs that like you would, should I turn off the radio because they just played this song on another station five minutes ago and I remember when that was happening and of course I was very young but I remember it and uh, it's you know songs on the on the on that record are staple um, as much as any any of the other bands I've said the same sentence about it's it's staple you you have to have led zeppelin in your arsenal to uh even begin to talk about rock and roll heavy metal and even subgenres of music and volume four is kind of like the king ben uh you know it's 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 top shelf as far as conversation piece formerly of megadeth chris boland yeah um god great record um I think um, one, two, three, and four were probably, I probably listened to those four records more than anybody that you know. Um, okay. I would say, you know, like on Led Zeppelin four, I think, you know, I know people, God, and when you mentioned Stairway to Heaven, it's like, oh, please, but you'd still have to admit it's one of the best guitar solos. And the, his note note choices on that solo are, are the only other solo I think that, that it would be second to is um, the solo on um, Since I've Been Loving You from Led Zeppelin Three. Those are two okay. of my favorite, you know, guitar solos by him. And then anything off Led Zeppelin One. Okay. Just the tone and the the vibe, you know, Led Zeppelin had something no one's ever going to have again. Okay. So, um, so in your opinion, what separated Jimmy Page from all of the other people that have, you know, tried to emulate him and all the people from that time period that even tried to do something different? Yeah. Um, well, I think he was lucky in the, in the the fact that that he was in the studio a lot more than a lot of these other guys were. So he had a hands-on experience on how to use the gear, you know. And, you know, doing all that studio work, he he knew, he learned, I think he, in my opinion, I think he probably learned arrangement ideas. His arrangement ideas were probably really advanced compared to other guys that didn't have a lot of studio work like that. And then, plus, I mean, you know, he was a God-gifted songwriter, so with all that, experience under his belt and then you know the fact that he's a great songwriter and you know his tone yeah it was you know all that adds up to jimmy page the mastermind behind iced earth john schaefer great great album i was never a zeppelin fan growing up um just but i appreciate them a lot more now that i'm older mainly because of the rhythm section you know because i'm really paying attention i i uh, 
I think John Bonham and John Paul Jones are unbelievable. Got, you know, the rhythm section really, a lot of people don't realize how cool they, those parts are and how how much that cemented the foundation. Right. You're always looking at Paige and Plant, but those cats, without them, I don't know, you know, it wouldn't have been the same, that's for sure. They may have still done something cool, but those guys, they, you know, it was a chemistry thing, man. But I, I really appreciate the rhythm sections, and I like Zeppelin now more than I ever did growing up. Yeah. yeah. Had many many an argument like that, being a drummer myself, so yeah. how important John Paul Jones was to that yeah. entire mix. The man that has played with all your favorite bands, Gene Hoagland. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I was not a Bonham fan growing up. It was as I got older that I realized, holy moly, this this man is a, a near-perfect amalgamation of feel and technique because a lot of the things that we're doing with double bass, he's doing with a single bass, and he's doing it with one of those crappy old Ludwig Speed King pedals. The legendary drummer of Anthrax, Charlie Benante. Probably one of the greatest records of all time. I love every Led Zeppelin record. I mean, when I say love, I mean I love every record that they've ever made. Zeppelin Four has, of course, it has Stairway to Heaven on it. So that in itself has to be taken differently from Zeppelin Three or, let's say, Houses of the Holy because Stairway to Heaven was a moment in time that probably you'll never will never be reproduced. Nowadays, I shouldn't even say nowadays, even going back 15, 20 years, okay, you would never hear a song like Stairway to Heaven on the radio because, A, there's no chorus. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is he singing about? Um, the song is long, okay, yeah. and uh, it is, the, the dynamics in the song in, in itself is, you know, People should study this song in school. Like it should be "Stairway to Heaven" 101, um, <laughs> it, because it's a it's a beautiful piece of music, you know. You actually got to do uh, a John Bonham tribute thing not too long ago, too, right? Where you got to play some Zeppelin. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the groove remains the same. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, Zeppelin is is definitely a fun drumming band to to play with. <laughs> what track did you play? I played a song off of Zeppelin IV, Misty Mountain Hop. And, you know, the thing that goes into Zeppelin too is the sound of Led Zeppelin records. Um, uh, you know, when people try and duplicate the sound of the Zeppelin record, they, they always get it wrong. They think right. they should put more on it than they should, but with Zeppelin, less is always more. A lot of these tunes by Zeppelin, it's not only the, the song itself, it's the sound of the song and what they chose to put in the song. Right, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of that of that band, and that's the beauty of Jimmy Page as a producer. He just always knew what what was right for each song. You know, he's a genius. He, he's a total genius, and uh, he's um, set up different type of mic techniques that are used every day now because of you know his experimenting with it, and uh, it's just now it's standard recording the way he approached it. You know. Vinny Apice. The Heaven, uh, Battle of the Evermore. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, what can I say? All those albums were so influential. I mean, just, just even the beginning of rock and roll was so cool. Nobody can still figure out how he played it. <laughs> yeah, and then Black, is that one, have, is Black Dog on four? Yeah, Black Dog's on yeah, there. Black Dog, I mean, what a cool, come on, that, what a cool song, you know. That that's was that's to me when they were still really cool, you know. Um, that in houses of the holy and 
and after that, I I kind of lost track of it a little bit. But yeah, those, those are just you know really cool songs, and the drums are right out front with where they are. Yeah, you know? like like they should be, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, there was something <laughs> to listen to for drummers too. You know, you listen. That's what I like to do. You listen to an album, you go, oh that's cool, oh, that's cool. Yeah, put a couple of licks on there that people want to remember. So. Yeah. From the Rods, Carl Kennedy. That album, I had seen them right when Led Zeppelin II came out. So, um, you know, and I'd been a huge fan from the first album. My friend worked at a station and played Good Times, Bad Times. But then I was just, you know, hearing Bonham, that little cowbell part and the little staggered, syncopated drum parts. And as a drummer, I was just, oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. And, uh, but, you know, Led Zeppelin for the for me, the tone, Bonham's drum tone was just, his sound was great. That snare sound, I still do my, my snare drum that way when I play with a local group here. I still tune it that way. I don't with the rods, but but uh, for the local group, it's always like, I'm going to tune it like Bonham. And, um, you know, they're just great songs. It was a great production. Stairway to Heaven, you know, it's a phenomenal song. And just the whole approach of the band, you know, what a great, the way they worked together in the production of the album. Um, it was it was a big album for me. One of the founding fathers of heavy metal drumming, Carmine Apice. Obviously, you have a, a big history with the band. You literally helped pay their way. You helped pay their, their first show from what I saw from an interview. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's pretty amazing. I didn't find that out till like 2002. Yeah, from the the Denver promoter Barry Say that actually did the show. We were already sold out, and it was Vanilla Fudge and Spirit, and I believe it was a seven thousand seat venue. <clears throat> and our agent, who was Led Zeppelin's agent, fought to get him on the show. Finally, they said, "Look, we'll we'll pay half. Vanilla Fudge will pay half if you pay half." And it was only fifteen hundred dollars, so mm-hmm. we paid seven hundred fifty bucks, and they got on the show. That was their very first show in America. <clears throat> so we helped them, and you know, and I, I met John Bonham. I thought he was a great drummer. He was young drummer, he was really good. He had a great foot. And we became instant friends because I, I was sort of pitched as, you know, his uh, um, not only idol, but he, you know, he used to look up to me and listen to Vanilla Fudge records, and uh, you know, and listen to stuff, and you know. And drummers, you take from each other, you know? So he took stuff from me and developed it himself. And then, but there's a lot of blatant stuff that he did that were blatantly done on my records way before he came out. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I, not until a book came out called Thumb of Drums, where they had actual interviews of John coming back off that first tour and, and meeting me and him and Cozy Powell would hang out together and talk about the fact that, you know, they were both into my playing and I was like, this kind of idol, you know, not their not their only idol, but you know, one of the idols, you know. And, sure. And John was very excited when he came back and telling Cozy that he met me and you know what's it like and blah blah blah, you know. So not until that book came out did it end up being the fact that it was to me saying it. Now, now you heard it from John's mouth through interviews, you know. Sure. So, you know, so. Because there was a there was a time in my life where I wouldn't talk about Led Zeppelin, about me influencing John, because you know it looked like an ego trip, and everybody was so, you know, you know, 
nobody believed that, you know, John Bonham had to start somewhere. You know? Right. So he was like, you know, big when he was born and he was in Led Zeppelin and he was big immediately, you know, but he had to start somewhere. He had to have influence. It's just like we all did, you know, but not until I, uh, those, that book came out and then people were starting to review that book and read that book and, and use that book as a reference that it started coming out in magazines, you know, the man that influenced John Bonham or, or you know, uh, on drum magazines, it would have every carmine piece of man that influenced John Bonham. And, you know, not until those things started happening where I didn't say it, other people were saying it. It, it was a lot better <laughs> for me. <you> know? <laughs> this is almost like a but, weight off your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he was a good friend, you know, I helped him. I took him under my wing when they did the first tour. I helped him get a Ludwig endorsement and uh, got the same drum set that I got. And, you know, we, we had Led Zeppelin opened up a lot of shows for us. And, and the next tour that they were bigger, we did, you know, more more touring together. And we were just good friends, you know. And, uh, you know, we we would... One time we switched uh, drums and bass players. And, you know, we went up and jammed with... Uh, with them, me and me and Tim Ogre played, and 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 when we went on, they Led Zeppelin guys come up and play with us, you know. Huh. So it was just fun days, you know, good days. So um, and you know, I just watched their development from the beginning, you know. By the time they hit, you know, Zeppelin Four, they were huge, yeah. you know, they were huge. And then that that was the one that had uh, Stairway to Heaven on it, right? Right. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, so when that song came out, it was like ridiculous. You know, it was so big, you know. But me, again, you know, I look at these albums differently, you know. Right. Like, you know, some of the drum fills that John did and that was stuff straight off my albums, you know. And he knew that, you know. And he would look at me when they would play it. He would look at me and go, watch this. And he'd do my fill. And he'd look at me like, ah, you know, and laugh. And I would give him the thumbs up, you know. And it was fun, you know. But who would, who would ever, I, in those days, I would never think that he was going to become, you know, the biggest rock drummer in history of right. rock where, you know, everybody thought that, you know, everything he did was, you know, straight from his mind, you know, with no other influences. But you know, it's really not like that in any musician, right. you know. So I look at it differently, you know. I mean, I enjoyed all those Led Zeppelin albums. Um I enjoyed pretty much all of them. You know, I don't remember, you know, because I was never, again, other guys you went, that you interview probably talk about it like they grew up, they practiced to them, they learned every riff, you know what I mean? I never right. did that. You know, people were my peers, they were my friends. I listened to it for enjoyment, not to like play along and learn how to play like John Bonham because I already knew how to play like John Bonham, <laughs> you know? You brought up a point about John using the identical drum set that you used. I remember years ago seeing an uh, interview with Jimmy Page where he mentioned that John actually used double bass on early recordings, but they would hide his second bass drum while they were in the studio. Are, are there certain things that you can pick up from the albums that you can detect where he's playing yeah, double like, bass? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's playing double bass drum on that uh, Bonzo's Montreux. Okay. That's definitely double bass drum. That was the only one I could really see that, uh, that had double bass drum that I noticed. You know, 
But then again, I, I really wasn't looking for it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure if I go in and look look for it, if there was, was some, I would be able to find it. But that one's blatant to me. That one there is blatant. Because I know what it sounds like when you do what he was doing. So right. I, I heard it right off the bat. But I do know when we did that tour in 1969, he had the double bass drum, and Robin and Jimmy both agreed it was too busy, so they wanted him to just play one bass drum. When they took the lead, when they took that other bass drum away, that's when it became the Led Zeppelin drum set, and not my drum set. Right. Because it, was, it had oversized tom toms and oversized bass drum, an oversized snare drum, in a five-piece unit instead of a, a six-piece with a double bass. Okay, and you brought up another interesting <clears throat> point. You said on that first date and possibly that first tour, you also had Spirit on the bill. Uh, Spirit, if I'm not mistaken, is the band that's now suing Zeppelin, saying that they copied Stairway to from them. I, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, that, those core changes in, in Stairway to Heaven and core changes that have been around forever. You know, so just because you're doing a descending core change on a certain key, that doesn't mean that's your song. You can't right. copyright chord changes. Melody and lyrics. Yeah, it may, I makes think sense. They lost. I don't think they. <clears throat> I don't think they won that case. I think they lost that case. <clears throat> okay, and another thing that's always sort of—I don't know—I guess it sort of bugs me, especially you being known as one of the founding fathers of heavy metal drumming. Uh, you always have Robert Plant and even Ginger Baker has brought this up over the years where they've hated the term heavy metal. Why has there always been a dislike for that term within certain musicians? Well, <clears throat> number one, Ginger Baker considers himself a jazz drummer. Okay. okay. I think number two, we Robert Plant uh, version Heavy metal associates with the eighties. You know, okay. and Robert doesn't consider himself anything to do with the eighties heavy metal. You know. Led Zeppelin was always considered as was Cactus, as was BBA, as was Black Sabbath. It was a hard rock band. Right. Okay. I don't know when Black Sabbath became heavy metal. You know. When they first came out in nineteen seventy, we played <clears throat> one of their first gigs with them with Cactus. They had the same amount of amps we had and playing the same kind of music. It was, you know, just real loud, heavy rock is what we call right. it. You know, hard rock, heavy rock. It was never called metal. Metal came about somewhere in the 80s, started calling it metal. You know, all of it. I mean, ACDC, when they were around in the 70s, Scorpions, they were all hard rock bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they became heavy metal bands in the eighties. That's when you know, metal was labeled. So I see why Robert don't want to associate with that. You know, because Led Zeppelin was way, way over that. You know, you know, creatively and size of the band and creatively were way beyond heavy metal. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, so, so, I mean yeah, you can call you know, Metallica is definitely, you know, metal, heavy metal, you know, 
that whole right. sound they started that that crunch thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I guess Robert Plant don't really want to be associated with that as big as they are. That's not his cup of tea. He's like blues rock, you know, folk rock. That's well, the country, you know. He likes all that stuff. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.